0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Hope you all have had a great week and uh, we're starting a new series, sermon series called Missing Pieces. We're going to be talking about finding the pieces to the puzzle of life. You know, friends, one thing that I find out is this. We spend a lot of time trying to understand our lives. Thanks, David. We spend a lot of times trying to understand our lives. You know, we were talking with a youth pastor this week who says how much of information that his students get from YouTube. That is the main teacher in their life is when they have a question, they go to YouTube to find out what that is. And for some of us, it's books. For some things, like I was looking at some books this week, look at this book. The Life You Were Born to Live, A Guide to Finding Your Life Purpose. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? We want to find our life's purpose. Or for parents, there are millions and millions of parents' books that all say different things of what you should do. This one, The Happiest Toddler on the Block, and the little subscript there is, How to Eliminate Tantrums and Raise a Patient, Respectful, and Cooperative One to Four-Year-Old. Good luck with that. We try to figure out what's going on in our life. In my home, we had to ban WebMD. WebMD is no longer wild in our house. The Last time we looked, I think one of us had yellow fever, and we were going to die of dysentery somewhere on the Oregon Trail. We just had to ban it because we are armchair diagnosis. We're trying to figure out what is under going on in our lives. But in our lives, we have moments where we're like, what am I doing? What is it that I'm doing in my life? Sometimes a quintessential moment is a midlife crisis. We Get a new haircut. And during service, Jay Carnes texted me and said, Nice haircut, by the way. We get a new haircut. Maybe we get a new sports car. People jump in and out of relationships. We are looking for it because we just don't know what it is that we're doing in our life. Uh, not this Christmas, but the Christmas before that, I got Mason a Russell Wilson uh, puzzle. And we, um, we love the Seahawks. Well, have my family's from up in the Seattle area. And so we had a Russell Wilson puzzle. And wouldn't you know, we completed on Christmas and we get to that last piece and it's not there. Is there anything more deflating in life than to put together a large puzzle and to be missing a piece? Maybe it's that last piece. We have this anticipation of what we're hoping for, but it doesn't quite turn out that way. And the same is true in life. We put in all this work and effort, but many times we feel that we are still missing some piece of the puzzle. Today, we're looking at the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's a picture of the garden. And Jesus, on the night of his arrest, goes to the garden to pray to his father. He's emotional, and he's facing his darkest hour. He's wrestling with God's will. The interesting thing about the Garden of Gethsemane—it simply means oil press. It's a place where there were olive trees, and these olive trees are actually very old. Some of the oldest ones are, are actually a thousand years old in the in the um, in the garden, what's considered the garden today. But they all come from roots that are underneath, and they, scientists actually haven't been able to date those because they are very even ancient beyond the thousand years. It's a very moving place to go there, and it's in this beautiful place where Jesus goes to wrestle with. God. I want you to open your Bibles and to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke chapter 22. We'll be reading from verse 39 through 46. Luke 22 verses 39 through 46. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him on reaching the place. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew and about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What a moving experience on the night of Jesus's arrest. But the truth of the garden is this, that surrendering to God's will is a constant process in our lives. Sometimes we think, you know what? I surrendered my life to Jesus. I confessed Him as Lord and Savior. I was baptized, and that's it. But, friends, that's not the case. Surrendering to God's will in our life is a daily process. It's a daily where we say, my will is going to follow Jesus' will. And at sometimes they feel like they are at odds against each other. And we live in this internal battle between what we want and what we think maybe God wants. And so we wrestle with God about our future but the garden is not a one-time place in the life of Jesus, and it's not a one-time place in our life. You still have your Bible open. Luke twenty-two forty-two is where we're going to focus there on verse 42. Let's look at the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father that day. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In the garden, the place where it all began with Jesus was in his relationship with the Father. And he prays, Father, Father, if you're, Father. And that's God's desire for both you and for me is that we have this intimate relationship with the Father. In fact, in Romans 8, it says that that God gave us his spirit that calls out Abba, Father, meaning Daddy, Daddy, That's a very intimate place that when we're in the struggles of our life, when we're in the guarded moments of our life, that we first begin with the prayer of Father. But isn't that complicated? I meet people who didn't have great fathers. or I'm in the middle right now of a two-week training on sexual abuse through the state, the difficulties of people whose past with their fathers has left their life emotionally wrecked and physically scarred. Almost as a child, we are like a piece of wax that's able to be so impressioned. But then over time, it hardens like almost like cement. And we just feel like we cannot break out of the bounds of that. And so to come to God as father for many people is very difficult. It's it's a struggle. It's it's not an easy thing to come and say, Father. But here's the truth of God as father. Yes, he is perfect. But God invites Uh, himself to us to heal the pains and the wounds of our past. He doesn't abandon it. He doesn't want us to say, you know what? Our earthly fathers may have been a struggle and it may have been a challenge. Let's just get rid of the title. No, he invites us to come into that relationship and to heal us father. And next he says, if you're willing, sounds passive, doesn't it? Father, if you're willing. In Luke chapter 5, there's a man who's wrecked by leprosy who comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds and says, I am willing. Be clean. And he's healed. The good news of the gospel is that God is willing, willing to heal us, to help us. He is willing to restore us. He's willing to establish justice In our life, and that we need to pray big and bold prayers. But here in the moment in the garden when Jesus prays prays and says, Father, if you're willing, in this instance, God was not willing. And there are times and answers to our prayers, God, if you're willing, that we have to go through it. Have you ever drank or ate something that you wish you had drank or eaten when you were done? Uh, maybe it was when you had to taste some soap from your parents' mouth or put it in your mouth when you were a child. Or my son loves sardines. Uh, he can buy them at the store, open them up, and slide them down, and I am gagging to the side. Well, when I was in Cambodia, we went to a place that the tourists simply call Spiderville. And I had been very badly sick for two to three days. This is the first place that we're going after that. We go into this town called Spiderville where the people walk around with these giant plates that are just full of tarantulas. Cooked tarantulas. Now, the last thing I had eaten, I had just been terribly sick. And we sit down at this restaurant with people walking around with giant tarantulas. When you're on a mission trip you got to do what the contact asks you to do unless it violates god's word and i don't see where that's prohibit prohibited in scripture though it should be so i i took a i took a spider and i broke off a leg and i put it in my mouth and i chewed it up and it had the texture now some of you might like this had the texture of crispy bacon i cannot stand crispy bacon Oh, it's just the worst. And I got it down. My friend who hadn't been sick, he just took one and popped it in his mouth and let it go down. It was something that I wish I never and hopefully never ever will have to experience again in my life, Spiderville. But Jesus in his prayer prays this Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. What, what's, what is it in your life that you love the Father to just take away from you today? In the prophets, the cup became an image of God's wrath. It became an image of God's judgment. It became an image of bad things happening that both those who were guilty and sometimes those who were innocent had to drink from. When the people in the Old Testament were besieged and taken into exile, it said both the guilty and the innocent, they had to drink from this cup. And this is what is true Uh, In our story, Jesus here is about to take and drink the cup of God's wrath for all of us, even though he was innocent. Friends, at times in our life, we face things we do not want to face. We're going to face things we do not want to face. Jacob Copeland, he's one of the top wide receiver recruits in the country. Many schools wanted him to come play for them, but it was National Signing Day, and this was on national TV. He narrowed down to three schools Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida. And his mom was sitting on the left of him. We have a picture of it here. She is wearing, I don't know if you can see that, a Tennessee hat and an Alabama shirt. I wonder where she wanted him to go. And Jacob Copeland on national TV, he chose Florida. He grabbed the hat, and he put it on, and his mama simply, we've got a picture here, got up and walked off. Proving the statement, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. He picked the school, but interesting enough, Jacob Copeland on national TV said, this is where God wanted me to go, and I had to follow that. I guess God didn't tell his mama that. And she walked off without there. But this mama's facing something she didn't want to face. She wanted her boy to go to Alabama, her boy to go to Tennessee, but he chose Florida. You know, Jesus did not want to face what was ahead of him, being separated from the Father. And he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And at times in life, we face things we do not want to face at the events we watched unfold in Florida this week, right? We watched people who faced again needless and senseless tragedy. They're facing what they didn't want to face. They're drinking from a cup they hadn't wished they would ever had to drink from. And Jesus, our example, he took the cup and he drank the wrath so that we could have a relationship with the Father. You know, remember earlier when we said that surrender is a constant process? same was true of jesus look at verse 39 again it says jesus went out as usual to the mount of olives and his disciples followed him this was jesus's usual spot you know when you take that same person you say where do you want to go to Uh, out to eat. And they say, I go to the usual place. Or like when my wife shows at Starbucks, she does not have to order. They just get her usual ready to go. When you have that usual, you know, the people there, they know what you want. They know you just don't get out of your routine. The garden of Gethsemane was Jesus's usual place that he showed up at. And he went back time and time again to the usual place of the garden. Friends, we need to create place in our life where is our usual place that we can connect and surrender to God. And the main question of the sermon this morning is, where's your garden? Where is the place in your life that you can go to connect with God, to wrestle with God, to say, God, if if you're willing, please let this cup pass from me. Where's the place you go to discern, to wrestle with God? I had a friend who, um, uh, a friend who, whose wife died, but her spot in life was a rocking chair and she would go. And that was where she would have her daily communion with God. That's where she would have her quiet time with God. And after she died, he was going through grief, obviously, and was wrestling through this. And finally he said, I just need to have my garden moment." And so he started going and sitting in that rocking chair where she used to be, and he would cry before the Lord, and he he would question until he worked his way through that. That, for him, became his garden spot. Also, just want to share with you a good place to have a garden spot. There's an app on your phone called the Abide app, and it's a place that you simply can download on your Apple or Android device. And it's a daily prayer uh, and Christian meditation where it reads scripture and has a way to center you and to connect you to Jesus. That's a simple daily way to do that. Maybe it's a small group that you can get plugged in. Do you realize the garden was supposed to have been a small group? Jesus wanted the garden to be a small group session, and so many times we think our relationship with God is just me and God, and it's just block everything else out, but the garden was meant to be a small group, but his disciples fell asleep, and they couldn't stay awake, and so it turned into a moment of Jesus by himself, and this is part of the reason why we're pushing these small groups, or, you know, we have about 20 small groups that meet on our Sunday school on a 9.30 and 11 o'clock hour because we are not meant to do this life by ourselves. Jesus, our example, teaches us that we need a community where we can come and come to know God. Where's your garden today? And then he prays this, yet not my will. Yet not my will. The garden is where I go when I need to submit my will to follow Jesus. I was in Australia one time on another mission trip, and there was a couple who was running a soup kitchen, and they'd ran the soup kitchen that... i had the marginalized and the aborigine people there in Australia for 17 years. And I had the chance in a quiet moment to have tea with them. And I asked them, how did you get started? And they said, well, 17 years ago, we felt like God said, open a soup kitchen. And they said, we don't want to open a soup kitchen. And they said, I felt like God said, start a soup kitchen. And they said, but we don't want to do it. And they said something I'll never forget. When God tells you to do something, obey him first. And your heart to do it will come later. They said, now there's nothing else that we would rather do than to serve the people through the soup kitchen. But they said we had to submit their will and they had to obey. My will is short-sighted. It's limited. I don't always know what is best for myself, let alone for what God is doing in our community. And the garden is where I go to submit my will to follow Jesus and the last part of his prayer was this: "Yet not my will, but yours, be done." What was God's will in this moment? So God said no to Jesus's prayer to take this cup from him. But what was God's will in this moment? We catch a glimpse of it in Philippians chapter two. We're going to put that on the screen. Paul writing and said, "And being found in the appearance of a hum- as a man, he humbled himself." The will of the Father was that Jesus would be exalted to the highest heaven. If Jesus had given up and not gone through the cross, there would have been no resurrection and no redemption of humankind. If he did not humble himself, there would have been no exaltation for Jesus. The Father knew that through this momentary humiliation, this momentary separation, he would gain something far more greater that would last for all eternity. Many times God has the final word. He has eternity in mind. And so it was that Jesus just needed a moment. You ever needed just a moment to just clear it and get something off your chest? Maybe it's that moment where you tell your spouse, I don't need you to solve anything, I just need to say something. That moment when we say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to face these layoffs at my company. I don't want to go back and face this class again at my school. I don't want to go and experience this, but I just need a moment. I'm not giving up, but God, I need a moment. And it is in the garden that Jesus' will, aligned with the Father... And at that place of alignment comes power. You see, friends, when our will is in line with God's will, then we can face what comes next. I want to read to you from the Gospel of Mark, what it says happens at the end of this uh, garden scene. It says, Returning the third time, Jesus said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayers. Jesus wasn't defeated by the garden. He was rather empowered. He says, let us go. And then Jesus is empowered to go face the immediate pain for the eternal glory. If I had a translation for that, I would just simply say this, let's do this. My wife is awesome. And uh, we were going to Disney World in December with some friends, and she made some shirts for us all to wear. I want to show it there. You may not be able to see them, but those shirts—one, they're neon green, so it gave us much less of a chance to lose a kid, uh, which is a good thing. But it simply says this: "Let's do this. Let's do this." And this became our motto for the week: "Let's do this. Let's do this." Do you want to see what the face of a person who's empowered by "Let's do this" looks like? Let me show you this. Can you see that? I'm telling you, Zerg, Buzz Lightyear's enemies stood no chance when John Mark and I took them out. Do you know why? When you have a face of determination that says, let's do this, you cannot be stopped through the power of God's spirit inside of you. And Jesus was not stopped. Why? Because he spent time with the father. He surrendered his will. He aligned it with God's will. And he said, let's do this. And he went and he faced his adversaries and he faced the pain and he won and purchased our salvation. That has has changed all of eternity for us. So what do you do when you're facing something you'd rather not face? where's your garden? It may be today. That's your missing piece. That's your place that you need to say, God, I don't want to do this. And if it's possible, can you take this diagnosis from me? God, if it's possible, can you help this marriage? My marriage that's struggling God, if it's possible, can you touch me? But nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And when you have a garden and you stand up, you can say, no matter what comes your way, let's do this friends that's the power of the gospel that he wants to change us and transition us and so today as we close in prayer, I'd invite you to quietly say where's your garden where's the place that God wants to connect with you? Would you join me in prayer? Hey God, you father, you went and you allowed Jesus to go through the garden. Because you knew the eternal glory that would come through his momentary pain. Father, I pray for each one of us here today. Maybe we have a missing piece. Maybe we don't have a guarded place that we can go where we can surrender our will to your will. But we pray today, Father, that you would come and that you would meet with us. And we pray today, God, that as we surrender our will to your will, that you would align and give us power. For it is in the name of Jesus, your son, who endured the cross, despising its shame, that we pray. Amen. Friends, the call to you is simple as today. Where's your garden at? Maybe right where you're standing in just a moment, we'll stand up. You need to surrender your will and say, God, I've been fighting you. I don't really want to go what's beyond what I feel like I'm facing. You just need to surrender that. Maybe you need to come forward and make this a place of surrender but also to think through, where's that place in your house? Is it a journal? Is it the Abide app? Where's that place in your life that you need to make a garden that can be that missing piece where you can connect with Jesus? If you've never met Jesus and never confessed him as your Lord and Savior, today would be a great day. Love to meet with you and pray with you today. Or perhaps you felt God is calling you to join this church. So be a good day to come forward as well as we stand and sing.
2: They force. Just be the center of my life
0: you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m.,